1: Hello, America, or what's left of it. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose podcast right here on justthenews.com, SiriusXM XM, Channel 125. My dear friend Gary Bauer and I have been... Uh, we started doing this in 2008. We did it for nine years. I took four years off to go uh, work at the White House. We're back, and Gary's going to have to cover this show because I don't know what... To say the last 36 hours, 48 hours have been so uh, disorienting to me. I mean, that the president announces he's running for reelection, that that makes like the sixth top story. Uh, obviously, it's Tucker. I have no inside information, but uh, Gary Bauer's infamous circling firing squad uh, now seems to be armed with nuclear howitzers.
0: Well, I, I'll tell you, Tom, you know, we, almost every day, every week, every month, there's something that's just very depressing and like, holy cow, we lost another asset. They took over another asset, whatever. I The, the news on, on Tucker Carlson, I, I just found that really demoralizing. Uh, he was the anchor of Fox News. Uh, the, the mainstay, I, you know, on a regular basis, I would hear people say, Boy, you know, Gary, they are really drifting further and further away. If it wasn't for Tucker Carlson, I probably wouldn't even tune in. And, and Tom, it was more than that. It was that he was willing to take unconventional positions and challenge the conservative movement in the Republican party to think outside the box. Now I say that because many of those things he was urging them to think about are the same things that I'm that I believe in like I've been raising questions about the whole strategy and why it is we think it's a good idea to try to get an idiot like Joe Biden to get us in a bigger war uh Tucker Carlson kept raising that question and the other uh, the other night uh, Tom he he had Robert Kennedy Jr on to talk about the power of Big Pharma and what role they played in determining how the COVID uh, disaster was handled. It was good stuff. It was the kind of stuff that you, quite frankly, you don't hear Republicans talking about that much because a lot of big pharma makes donations to the Republican party. So that was that, that's the kind of thing he routinely did. And then finally, Tom, I hope there's no, uh, connection, but, uh, 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 Tucker Carlson gave a, speech Friday night at the big gathering of the Heritage Foundation uh, here in Washington, D.C. It was an incredible speech. You know, he he's not a very overtly religious guy, but a lot of the content of the speech was religious And he said, look, I'm an Episcopalian. I probably shouldn't be giving anybody advice. But he said, I'll tell you something that I'm not doing enough of. And I urge you to do more of it because I'm going to try to do more of it. And that is to pray that God will save our country before it's too late. It was a very dramatic moment. And then here you go a couple days later and uh, suddenly Fox News uh, makes this announcement and sadly yesterday leftists all over the place were mocking him, celebrating. I hope Murdoch and Fox News are happy. They just made their mortal enemies pleased. And by the way, Fox. Uh, There won't be any hesitation of those mortal enemies. They've already started today demanding another pound of flesh.
1: And not only, I mean, forget about the left, if you will, for a second. I, for one, who am a Fox News viewer, I don't take much of their daytime programming all that seriously. The morning show I watch occasionally occasionally. Um It does little to enlighten me into the depths of issues, and it is, it's a news and personality show. Um, Tucker's a must-watch. Now, there are things that I have, and you and I have gone through it uh, repeatedly, that I, I don't agree with on Tucker at all. Uh, the Ukraine matter. Um, but I never felt insecure or threatened by listening to views of his that I thought particularly in his attempt, and its I don't mean to be grave dancing here because he'll come back uh, to a better future, a brighter future, a stronger future than the one that he had at Fox. I didn't like, uh, uh, it's perfectly acceptable to challenge our lack of policy vis-a-vis the new war in Europe, the It's no longer a new war. It's more than a year old. I just thought some of his cheap shots at Zelensky and calling him a dictator. I just thought that. But other than that, I mean, it's very, very hard for me to find anything. But the utmost respect and admiration, there were no sacred cows on that show, Gary. He was more than the driving force of that network. He was the intellectual uh, a wellspring of much conservative thought and thinking. I can, I will say that the three, my three conservative intellectual heroes are a funny-looking guy from Virginia called Bauer. Mark Mark Levin and Tucker Carlson. And Tucker and Mark disagree on a lot of things. There's an intellectual honesty to them, a curiosity to them, a commitment to principles and values. I don't see how Fox, forget about the left, I don't see how Fox ever recovers. I, I really, this is not Bill O'Reilly. Bill was a great guy, a nice show. Bill was not uh, a totem smasher. You know what I mean? He was not. Yes. Yeah. No, I I
0: know exactly what you're talking about, Tom. Look, I I think this is uh, it could be suicidal for Fox. I mean, I I really do. And I you know, you alluded to something here that I that I hope is true. Uh, Our politics right now, there's a lot going on. I mean, people, you know, that one would not have normally put into the conservative category like Bill Maher or Uh, Joe Rogan or, uh, Elon Musk in certain areas are becoming heroic to some conservatives, even though they, you know, their, their positions are not clearly not conservative across the board. There are some people in the conservative movement that are really out of favor and no longer seem to have any traction with Americans that think of themselves as traditionalists or conservative. So who knows what's going to happen next? Tom, huh? Steve Bannon, our friend Steve Bannon the other day, floated the possibility that Donald Trump might ask Robert Kennedy Jr. to be his running mate. And he floated this in front of a MAGA audience that erupted in applause. Now, I've got enough of traditional conservative in me that I'm going like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, you know. But look, I, I think. When you, when a country's in a crisis, we talked about this a couple of times in recent weeks, referring to, you know, Germany and Europe in the 1930s. When a country's in a crisis, Uh, strange things happen. New alliances form. People are looking for a way to save it all before it's too late. I think anything's possible. I think there's a possibility of fusion tickets. There's a possibility of another party on the ballot. I don't even know how these things will all play out, but I cannot imagine it will happen without Tucker Carlson playing a major significant role and it will not be while well, he's obviously not going to be doing that at Fox News. So I, I think Tucker will be around, possibly a long, much longer than Fox is.
1: This is a you will agree, I presume. This is a an epic moment, uh, one that I don't think our movement has faced. He wasn't. Comparisons are made to Bill O'Reilly and Megyn Kelly, and they're great and terrific. Tucker's a different breed. Tucker is totally a different breed. Tucker is a thinker. He's a provocateur. He's a pugilist. But there's depth behind everything he says. Not necessarily perfect wisdom. There are a lot of things. um, My guess is you might disagree with him on more uh, occasions than I do. But the... Mm -hmm. But he was absolutely not an essential watch for uh, uh, for ratings purposes. I don't understand, and I, I'm the first to admit that I, I'm in Israel right now, so we're far away. And by the way, it's you know 5.30 in the afternoon, and uh, what you're watching me drink here is not apple juice. I can assure you of that, because um, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how else to deal with this. I And then there's the Biden announcement, and... The only thing, and I'm sitting here trying to think. You know, what can I possibly say that Bauer would be remotely impressed with? Uh, I, I can only think of, 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 of two questions here that we're going to have to answer as a people and as a movement. Um, first, is the country ready to reelect? The party that's responsible for the most devastating, incompetent administration we've faced since the Civil War. And the second question is, are there going to be more people whose personal dislike of Donald Trump, they don't like his personality, they don't like his texting, his tweeting, I get all that. Are there going to be enough of those people able to overlook the political destruction of our justice system, the weaponization of our justice system, then there are Americans concerned by the, by the absolutely existential threat that they're going to overlook their reservations, even dislike, even hatred about the former president. And, Bauer, i got to be honest with you, I'm not convinced the answer is yes. Look, I, I'll go a step forward, Tom. Uh,
0: I, I don't think that um, if, if Donald Trump took himself out of the race... And then we, we had the, uh, the situation where this other big slate of people, you know, from Mike Pence to Nikki Haley uh, to Ron DeSantis and so forth. Uh, I don't think all of the downside that, that we see with Trump and are aware of, you know, I, I, I think they will do the same thing to whoever we nominate. I think the strategy here is absolutely clear. The fact that they released the video shows that they're going to run the basement strategy again. Only this time it won't be Biden in the basement of his house in Delaware. It will be Biden in the basement of the White House. It it's worked last time. They- yeah. And they did it and they did the same thing in Pennsylvania with Fetterman, who could barely talk because of a stroke. They did it in New Mexico and one against our candidate, was articulate, attractive, bright, defeated by a woman that couldn't put two sentences together. So the, the left has perfected the cheating. They have perfected how to to just Over these long periods of electioneering and election day, which is now, you know, four weeks, five weeks, eight weeks, they just methodically go door to door and tenements and big urban centers and just vote people, vote people, vote people. Arguments don't matter. Logic doesn't matter. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure that uh, we've got an answer to any of it or whether an answer is possible once the opposition party, the party that's got the White House and has the Senate, is willing to do whatever it takes. We're always lagging behind intellectually in us getting to the point of, of saying, oh, yeah, well, then we'll do it, too.
1: Well, not only that, we've got a fifth column, Gary. We've got the never-Trumpers that think they can now cancel Trump's repositioning, rebranding, if you will, to recreate that old, wonderful, you know, sportsman's-like fraternity of losers that uh, George Bush epitomized, McCain, Romney, that faction. Um, If the press wasn't involved in defining the narrative... There wouldn't be a single sentient person in this country who wouldn't agree that the justice system has been weaponized. That routine harassment, defamation, these ridiculous prosecutions of politicians they don't like um, does tremendous damage to our ability to claim to be the world's leading democracy. I don't know that even you could even make that claim anymore. All the Trump haters after... Deliverance of what and i 'll go ahead and say it the manna from heaven for them, and that was January sixth make no mistake, they loved it. It was manna from heaven they couldn 't have ordered from special delivery a greater gift than January sixth. They all thought that that you know that trump um, uh, was finished and it was back to the good old days and the good old days. What are those good old days, Gary, as you know, as well as I do? Republicans win some elections. We lose some elections. But the Democrats rule all the time.
0: Yeah. And again, Republicans take this
1: uh, the worst definition of conservatism
0: that you can come up with, which is they get when we get into power. Uh, they tend to to just defend the status quo. So nine times out of ten, they're defending what the Democrats did when they were in power. You know, certain things that expansions of government and other things you know that that happened. Uh, the Democrats, the Republicans, get back in, and they go, "Well, of course, we're not going to touch any of those things, Uh you know." Uh, but but this new thing coming, or, no, we don't want that. I mean, Tom, look at how quickly the party establishment caved. They won't even raise the whole issue of same-sex marriage anymore. We, you know, we fought it reluctantly. The party fought it reluctantly for a number of years. Uh, state after state voted on our side. Then a radical Supreme Court erased all those sta- those state referenda and then uh, re- uh, redefined the definition of marriage that had been in place for thousands of years. And now many of the Republican establishments say, well, you know, of course, we have a consensus that, uh, you know, you can have, uh, two people, uh, of the same gender, uh, marrying, but, but we don't want, you know, uh, uh, graphic information about uh, things dealing with homosexuality to to be introduced in in uh, you know in the third grade, you, you know, and and a couple of years from now they'll they'll say, well, of course, children need to learn early on. You know, I mean, it's just it is a slow motion surrender. It seems to be uh, the most comfortable position. Uh, that the Republican establishment uh, wants to be in, and Tom, they—they've been wrong over and over and over again. I mean, George W. Bush was wrong about communist China, as wrong as as uh, the the pres, the president President Biden is now. George W. Bush went to the mat on the
1: idea that trade with China would change China, and that Putin was a uh, wonderful man because he saw into his soul. Look, here's a piece. Right. I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm going to do it anyway. here's, Here's something that I don't want to call it optimism, but I think it's an elephant in the room. It's a great unspoken fact. We've never had a figure in American history that's been subject to more. Obloquy—that's—I uh, just learned that word. By the way, I'm showing off. Hatred um, than any public official in our history, and that includes forget about Nixon, Aaron Burr, the guy killed Alexander Hamilton. He shot him, right? Um, charged uh, with uh, t- a treason by President Jefferson. Um, here we are, 50 years after Watergate and there's no evidence by the way that Nixon, you know, did anything overtly illegal. We've never had a figure never even remotely as hated as Donald Trump and he leads in the polls. I'm not saying he's going to yep. win, he leads in the polls. That has to say something. Does it not Gary Bauer? Something about uh the the the, the resilience and the faith and the resolution of the American people. Something, doesn't it? It it, it does. And, but there's a there's
0: a conundrum in this, Tom. Um, I mean, I, I hear this every day. I know you do, too. Um, and I, I hear it from people that support Trump. They'll say, no, look, I'm going to I'm going to vote for him again. But, Gary, I, I have to be honest. I mean, I just wish there wasn't so much drama. I mean, I just wish he would keep the drama down. Now, Tom, there are two contributors to the drama. One of them is when, uh, Trump will, in his, in his remarkable way, uh, label somebody with a deadly label, you know, uh, uh, call them a name, you, you know. And, and they're usually and, uh, silly it, names. It, it, yeah, right. They're, usually there's silly names, but there's, there's that. And then, and then there's, you know, a history that is a little checkered, uh, about, um, you know, his interaction with women and, and, and so forth. But you know, Tom, let's say we nominate a candidate that doesn't have those problems, right? There's still going to be drama. The biggest drama with, with Trump, if people are really honest and think about it, The biggest reason Trump was in the news every day was because he was pushing this populist agenda. Trump was in the news every day because he said, we're going to build the wall. If we don't build the wall, these people are going to be pouring across the border. And these are not the finest people coming from Mexico. These aren't, you know, scientists and, you know, these are criminals and this. Oh, what's the drama? The drama is. Trump just called Mexico, you know, or Mexicans, people that are all criminals. So you can just take issue after issue after issue. So my point is that anybody we nominate who really will end up fighting for us, there's going to be drama. They're going to call him a racist, a Nazi. That's their playbook. They're already doing it to DeSantis. They're calling DeSantis every name under the sun. Joe Biden, you know, is already trying to come up with that that narrative that they're going to— Biden said the other day, never did I think I would live to see the day when elected officials, people that are supposed to be responsible, would be banning books in America— Who's that a reference to? That's a reference to DeSantis. And Biden
1: never thought he would see it. Meanwhile, and who's banning books? They ban Huck Finn. They ban Nathaniel Hawthorne. They ban the Declaration. They ban the Constitution. (laughs) They try to get publishers
0: to not even publish books they think they won't like. And sometimes they're effective in doing that. But but so I would just say to people that— you know, I understand. I understand. But a lot of the people that are saying, I just want all the turmoil, you know, Trump brings turmoil with him. I, I, I just want things to calm down. Ladies and gentlemen, please listen to me as long as we fight back. The turmoil and the drama is not going to end. It's like you know running up in front of an army and saying, I wish you guys wouldn't shoot so many times. Like, can't you just fight the war more quietly? No, you can't fight a war quietly. We're going against people that are a hair away from finishing the war by having won it. You just this is, this is Custer's last stand, ladies and gentlemen. There better be noise. There better be turmoil. Because if
1: silence falls on this battlefield, it will be because Custer and his men are all dead. The question, I think you nailed it. I'm not sure you realize you nailed it. It takes a genius like me to point out um, how, how right you are. The question is, for us, for conservatives... Not who can avoid the attacks, but who best can fight back against them. And I'm sorry to all my dear friends in various wings and factions of the Republican Party. I can think of no one, no one better able, better positioned and better experienced to fight back in a way that's effective than a guy called Trump who lives in Florida.
0: Wow. This is an historic moment, Tom. I just want to say for people that I love that work for some of the other candidates that do, you know our voice people. I don't know how, Tom, but sometimes people uh, mistake our voices. You know, they'll I'll say something. They think it's you and you say something and they think it's me. That was Tom <laughs> Rose that just made that statement. I will just say this, that it's impossible for us to win in 2024 unless who we nominate is willing to fight every day.
1: And who all right, day. All, right, I'm, all right, you just put me on the spot. I'm putting you on the spot, Power. Who can fight better than Donald Trump? Well, I you know, we're gonna let let's wait and see. This isn't going is to be made. a Marcus this isn't nineteen eighty four. It's not Reagan and Mondale. Mondale a fine man, a good man, a super liberal, a starch a staunch anti-communist in the Hubert Humphrey mold, Uh, but a big liberal, a big spender. uh, That's not where we are today. Walter Mondale, for all his leftism and all his liberalism, wanted what he thought was best for America. Our opponents today do not. And if there's any evidence of that, look at what the Justice Department did, which has now been weaponized. They effectively replicated the invasion of Normandy, which you just witnessed a couple of weeks ago, in order to be able to rummage through Melania's closet, looking for violations of of, uh, the Espionage Act. And for all the talk about our, quote unquote, dismal, air quote, performance in the midterms, uh, and we didn't do as well as we should have. No question about that. Uh, we won the overall vote and we did win control of the House. So I don't you got to tell me, man. Are, is there am I a complete a Cassandra or are there things to be positive about?
0: It, it, it's tough, Tom. It, it, it is tough. I mean, they've abandoned faith. Uh, because they've bought into the, the real meaning of America is different strokes for different folks. If it feels good, do it instead of ordered liberty under God. Um, they don't quite, they can't quite get their arms around why they feel so uneasy and why they tell pollsters that the country's headed in the wrong direction. Uh, and so, you know, you look at the results out of Chicago recently, right? People in Chicago finally realized the mayor was a disaster. She, she was responsible for what was happening on the streets. She was responsible for what happened in the schools. And what did they do? They elected somebody further to the left than her. So, you know, we've, we've got a real challenge here. Tom, you just touched on something. You know, Tucker in this speech to Heritage, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, you know, for a long time, he said, I was under the illusion, and he said, I think many of us still are, that American politics, American elections were basically an argument between good people that both wanted the same things for America, and that the argument was about how to get to that goal. And there were serious and, and you know, important arguments about that. You know, should government take the lead to get to that place, or should the private sector take the lead to get to that place? But he said, over time time, it became clear to me, no, that's not the situation we're in anymore. And Tom, you and I have talked about this forever. The two sides have diametrically opposed opinions about what America, what what America, what they want America to be. And, And he started going through these things, you know, like uh, he said, "Why in the world would an entire political party and powerful forces in America fall over their on their sword over the idea that little nine, ten, and eleven-year-old should be able to have deforming surgery and be sterilized by powerful drugs, and that no one, including their parents, have any right to change to stop it? Why would any party embrace that? It's inconceivable." I mean, so you could just go after one issue after another. And that's the debate that we're having. And Tom, it yeah, look, the country is already becoming a country that a lot of people that have been instinctively patriots are finding it harder and harder to feel patriotic about. Not the Colin Kaepernick's who, you know, always felt that America was unjust. But America moving away from all the key ideas of the American founding, about the little platoons of life, the church, the family, schools, the little community organizations, all that being swept aside so that an all-powerful government controls everything, tells us what we can think, what we can say, what we can read. That's where
1: we're headed. Uh, I don't know whether to interject this because I might be rubbing your nose in it. I'm in Israel. Um, tonight is Israel's 75th Independence Day celebration. Today is Israel's Memorial Day, so it goes from absolute, complete solemnity to joy. And I have to say this, and I don't mean, God forbid, any disrespect. I'm 60 years old. I have never felt this, I've never believed this. I have more faith and more confidence and more hope in israel 's future than I do in Americas right now, and that scares the living you'll pardon the expression jesus out of me um it, it's it's it, Israelis well, are pardon necessary uh, uh, <laughs> uh, no i just <laughs> I just, Israelis don't seem the least bit tempered by the challenges that would dispirit any other people. And Americans are disconsolate. Our youth are depressed. Um, you know, what's most inspiring, absolutely stunningly inspiring to me, is this remarkable and unique renaissance of Jewish identity here that's consuming not the old people. The kids, the hip kids with the earrings and pop songs, like top 40 songs uh, that kids dance to um, contain biblical verses and lines from prayers and, um, f- you know, famous. Man, ru- Tom, that's uh, that's incredible. Uh, that's, and that's and, and incredible. they these, these totally hip. You know, spontaneous youngsters with the ponytails and all the stuff that you and I had to deal with when we were when we were parents of teenagers. They spontaneously, before they hit the clubs, you know, on a Friday night, which is not a great Jewish idea, but whatever. They will gather together and do the Shabbat prayers, the Sabbath prayers. Um, wow! It's just. Most people and i i don 't want to give the wrong impression here. most people here are not orthodox and they 're not even that traditional in their Jewish practice, but almost everybody senses everybody senses that there 's no uh, this is no normal nation, and these are no normal people the the very assets that, that helped us survive 25 years of dispersion and exile and powerlessness and all the rest have somehow brought them back to the land of of their fathers and their mothers. And it's that history that explains so much of this place. And I wish to Hades I could figure out a way to bottle just a tiny bit of it and bring it back home. Uh, Tom,
0: I, I mean, that, that was beautifully said. I... uh I'm absolutely convinced unless something similar happens in the United States, uh, you know, I guess our predominant faith is still Christian, although fewer and fewer people, uh, seriously embrace Christianity or, or, or even its basic teachings in many ways. Those polls are the most depressing at all Ugh. of all. But if we don't, if we don't rediscover the idea of the founders that, um, that liberty comes from God, not from government, uh, you, you know, the thing that the founders, be- one of the things the founders believe, just like the founders of Israel, you know, is the, the Jewish people were founded by a confrontation or a conversation between God and Abram in the desert. Um, the founders believed that God's hand was in the founding of America, you know, that this was uh, a new Jerusalem, that only God's intervention could explain how we would defeat the greatest empire in the world at the time, you know, Great Britain and so forth. Today, if you say you believe those things, you're called a Christian nationalist. And that is a very bad thing to be. I mean, that's like a nazi or
1: something we need you know, you millions know. of christian nationalists million psalm 22 you know it by heart they shall come and tell his righteousness to a born nation mm. well said uh, i didn't well, say of, it Tom, maybe we <laughs> should end it on that note no 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 we're not going to end it on that note because i have something else to say that is okay. um, uh, that's difficult for me i'm a proud person Last week, I spent uh, three days in Poland. One of the most. Oh, Tom, I got your message. No, no, no. no, I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to repeat it. You can close your ears. Carol will like to hear it. And this it pains me to say this. It pains me. I spent three days in Poland last week among the most meaningful three days I've ever spent, joining 9,000 Jewish and Christian young people, mostly college kids, from over 50 countries in the annual March of the Living from Auschwitz to Birkenau, and a, a remarkable, stunning ceremony of, of power and dignity and, and reflection marking the 80th anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto, up, Warsaw Ghetto Uprising in 1943. Uh, I began our last broadcast... Uh, our podcast, uh, trying to explain how meaningful it was, and Bauer in two sentences said it more beautifully, more eloquently, uh, and more cogently than I did in three minutes. And it was—I um, I, just—I gotta hand it to you. Well, th- thank,
0: thank you, Tom. I, I uh, uh, and it annoys I, I, me. I just, we... right. <laughs> <laughs> That's not exactly the words you used in the uh, text message to me, but I won't read the actual words on, on the air. Uh, Tom, this is a great partnership. I've often been inspired by you. And uh, I think we, I know, I know myself well enough and I think I know you well enough to come with may. Uh, you know, if we're the last two uh, guys standing in the middle of, uh, Uh, battlefield with the forces closing in on behind uh, all around us, I will not
1: kneel, and I know you won't either. No, no, and it's true. Isaiah's uh, promises, the train of Isaiah's promises of redemption, not yet pulled into the station, but I'm convinced, and it's Bauer that's taught me this more than anyone I can think of, that if we look hard enough, maybe, just maybe, we can permit ourselves to see the The clouds of despair being overtaken by enough rays of sunshine to reveal that 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 distant train might be whistling its way toward us, brimming with the promise and the hope of, of, uh, of redemption and renewal.
0: Wonderful, Tom. There's where we should leave.
1: (laughs) (laughs) God bless you. And uh, don't ever uh, show me up again on my, uh, you know, when I'm (laughs) back.
0: I'll do my best to dumb me down.
1: (laughs) It's not going to be easy, Bauer. Anyway, God bless you and Carol and all of Bauer Nation and all the listeners to to the Bauer and Rose Show right here on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125 and JustTheNews.com, wherever you get your podcasts.